0: Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Gladiator. I'm happy—wait, nope, sorry. It's actually about Scoob. I'm happy to be joined by my friend Joe Morgan, animation correspondent. Joe, thank you for being here.
1: Scooby-dooby-doo. How are you, Josh?
0: I uh, am—I'm okay. I I would have been a lot greater if this movie had really uh, given me what I had been hoping it would give me. Normally, at the beginning of these episodes, I will, like, you know— Give a little bit of a synopsis of the movie just to kind of set the table before we jump into things. But I feel like I would just talk myself in circles for like 20 minutes if I ended up doing that. So I'm not really going to start off by trying other than to say this is a a little bit of a modern adaptation of Scooby-Doo. I didn't even know it was modern until I saw it. You all probably know the characters of Scooby-Doo. Shaggy Voma, Fred, Scooby, and Daphne. And... They have to break up at the beginning because they have a little bit of inter-gang conflict and, and someone wants to take over the world. We think, I don't know, Joe and I will talk about that and think Scooby is the key to doing so. And the gang doesn't really come together all that much and that's part of the problem with this movie. And Joe, I think where I'll start is, I'll, first of all, is you're, uh, you're a, a screenwriter and I don't want to put you in a position where you have to like say bad things about other people in this industry. So I'll just say that... I'll start by saying that Joe and I were very excited for this movie back when it was announced because it was announced as being written by Kelly Fremont Craig, who wrote and directed, in my what is my, in my opinion, uh, one of the best movies of the last decade in The Edge of 17. And yes, and so Joe and I both have a great appreciation for and we were very excited because, I mean, Joe is a big animation guy. I actually really enjoyed Scooby-Doo as a young person. I'm like, oh, cool, like this writer I like is going to bring these sensibilities to it. And I'll straight up say I didn't like this movie. Joe might have more nice things to say than I did, but I think I just like went onto the movie's Wikipedia page to like look at one of the voices of one of the characters or something, and just uh, just I was curious as I was watching it. I was like halfway through and I I really wasn't enjoying it because and at the same time I was like man I don't want to say mean things about Kelly Fremont Craig I'm just gonna feel bad if I do that I'm gonna have to like just I really want to find what my redeeming qualities were because there are a few things I was enjoying but I was like I'm not enjoying this as much as I should be, and then I go on and I see. Wow, like there's like four writers listed on here, and she is not one of them. That's weird, because about a month ago, it got announced that this movie was... And I should say, we've been talking about old movies on the podcast mostly recently, but this is actually a new release, and one of the ones to actually get a straight to VOD release. It was originally going to be in theaters though around this time and it got announced. And I think Kelly Freeman Craig's name was at a bunch of these press releases at the time, but I, I see all these other listed writers on there and she is not one of them. And I do some more Googling and it turns out it now says she wrote the first draft. And then these four other dudes ended up coming in being brought in to, to write it. And so now I'm of the opinion that like, I get to blame all these other dudes and not her for me not thinking this is a good movie. But, Joe, to put it to kind of sum up my feelings about this movie, it's the kind of movie that feels like it was written by someone else and then rewritten by four other people. I don't know if yes. if, if trying to understand the plot, you thought the same thing, but that was kind of my big takeaway from this movie is that, who knows, I see bits and pieces of things that actually seem pretty clever and funny, but at the same time, it seems like it couldn't get out of its own way because I honestly couldn't explain this plot coherently if you put a gun to my head.
1: Yeah, this movie is all over the place, both tonally and plot-wise. Like, I feel like I had an equal number of genuine laugh-out-loud moments and then just complete eye rolls. So, like, it was very complicated watching it, you know, and it was just almost like, oh, like, this is a fun, creative, like, funny set piece, and then it just doesn't even lead into this next thing. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, I felt, like, really weird about it. Like, ultimately I had a good time, but then – you and I chatted briefly before the podcast, and uh, I was like, "Josh, like, do you know what happened at the end of this movie? Like, I don't quite remember like what happened." So I, I ended up rewatching like the last ten minutes just to kind of refresh myself.
0: Let me ask you something. And I just
1: watched it last night.
0: Yeah, let me ask you. You're an animation guy, but you also told me last night like I, I wasn't the biggest Scooby Doo fan for a while. So. Did, how much did you actually kind of watch the show growing up? Did you ha- did it have any kind of like special place in your childhood memories or was it just the kind of thing where maybe you, maybe you watched an episode here, an episode there as a young child and that's about it? Like what was your relationship to the show as someone that does have a pretty uh, good knowledge of animation?
1: Yeah, I was like more of a casual fan of Scooby-Doo. I'd say like of all the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, I think Wacky Racers or Wacky Races was probably the one I watched the most. Which had a lot of uh, Muttley and uh, Dastardly Dick in it, actually, but oh. who are the villains of this movie. But um, yeah, like, you know, I, I knew the, like, when they had, when they recreated the original Scooby Doo title sequence in this movie, like, I recognized that. So, like, I watched it enough to, like, recognize that bit of it. But um, no, I wouldn't say, like, I am a huge Scooby Doo aficionado or anything. Well, so. I mean,
0: I think my dad even liked it going back to when he was a kid, because, you mean, Scooby Doo has been around since, what, the 70s or so. Uh, mm-hmm. And, Maybe even earlier, actually. But, I mean, I I honestly might not call myself a big fan of, like, a huge fan of, devoted fan of, like, any one animated series. I mean, I watched some as a kid, but I feel like I probably spent just as much time watching SportsCenter when I was seven as I did watching, uh, car- watching any one cartoon show or anything like that. But Scooby-Doo <laughs> is, like, the one that I always feel like I remember the most. And... Maybe I just maybe I would have enjoyed this movie a little more if I didn't come into it with that kind of uh baggage uh baggage might not be the right word or positive baggage I don't know, but like i I kind of went in expecting some kind of movie where the gang works together to solve a crime, and that was mm-hmm. that was my basic expectation too. and These are yeah. good characters, and I think they mostly got the characters right as far as mm-hmm. what you think of when you think of these characters. I just don't think they did it did the right stuff with them i i like the archetypes of them and how uh and, and putting a modern spin on them how you have uh velma like being all like oh i love ruth bader ginsburg i'm a nerd and yeah uh, and and they probably are a little and they probably modulated daphne and fred pretty well where they're not quite the uh dumb handsome guy and like uh conceited girl that like their ex- stereotypes might be if they were played up in that way but you could still maybe mm-hmm. have some elements of those personalities come out and i actually kind of like you watch you watch brooklyn Nine i'm sure right Oh yeah, I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. It yeah. seemed like they just turned Shaggy and Scooby into Scully and Hitchcock, where they were slightly more <laughs> self-aware about all mm-hmm. the stuff that they do. And then there's the, uh, and then there's like a, there's like a, 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 a funny line where it's like, uh, early on in that opening sequence, where it's like, "Don't you know Halloween is just a marketing ploy by Big Corn syrup?" And they said, "Yeah," and we're <laughs> totally okay with that. And it's like, okay, like if they're gonna like make fun of themselves <laughs> like that, then like I can deal with this spin on the character where they're not just like total, total stoners or whatever or whatever Mm -hmm. whatever before so i was like happy to like be there and i was pretty still excited about the movie after that first that first opening sequence origin story thing because it was pretty efficient and fun to watch Mm -hmm. and then the movie for some reason decides you know what let's break the gang up for the next you know 80 minutes of this movie and yeah i I, I I just don't I think I think and maybe you're gonna get at this a little more because you said something about you have you have some thoughts and some Marvel parallels that kind of came to mind as you're watching it. and I don't have a lot of knowledge of the other Hanna Barbera cartoons so I didn't even know that Dastardly was someone that was like from those other movies and so that kind of crystallizes an opinion I had coming in where it was just that the, and actually I went back and looked at like the 2002 movie I think it was 2002 the live action one and that actually made a lot of money it wasn't well received. Uh, but it made Mm -hmm. $275 million on an $80 million budget, written by James Gunn, which I completely (laughs) forgot. It's talking about someone Mm -hmm. that knows how to write a group of people together. And I think that like maybe they did, but it was not critically well-received at the same time. And maybe they thought, like, if we're going to justify trying to make another Scooby-Doo movie and we want it to be good, maybe we have to raise the stakes. And that's why they're going to bring in some kind of villain and uh, create a lot more conflict in the group that is necessary. Not saying you can't have some conflict, but it seemed like they tried to infuse a lot more inner conflict in the group than they had time to, like, actually properly set up. And it felt like it tried to do way too much when I would have been more than happy with just having these characters solve a mystery.
1: That's the thing. Like, it, like Scooby-Doo at its core, at least from how, like, the times I watched it as a kid, is, like, it's, a, it's like a mystery comedy, you know? It's, like, this great team of, um, you know, different personalities, and they, like, solve mysteries, and that's the thing. And this, like, this is a superhero movie, you know? Like, that's... <laughs> Well, I think there's literal superheroes in the movie. Like Scooby literally gets a super suit and like, you are like, Oh, that's a toy, you know? But, um, no, it's just, uh, as I told you before this, I went on the Wikipedia page for the movie to kind of, uh, refresh. And at the end of the main description, they say that this is supposedly supposed to be the first entry in a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. Ugh. And I think I just rolled my eyes a bit because, uh, be careful, Joe. Like, maybe, you maybe, maybe
0: you'll get hired to write one of these. Be careful.
1: <laughs> Which I would love to do. Everybody's <laughs> listening. But anyway, um, yeah, but uh, like, you know, I don't need like the big action set piece in Acts 3. You know, like you talked at the beginning about the prologue, you know, where the gang meets for the first time and they go in the haunted house and they unmask you know, the guy who had stolen all the stuff from the store or whatever, mm-hmm. like that scene and Scooby beating Shaggy at Venice beach. Like those are my two favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: like, well, you, well, you even said, you, you even just said it when they take the mask off the guy. And that's the mm-hmm. thing about Scooby-Doo historically is that it's not about the villains. It is mm-hmm. it, it, usually the villains are wearing some kind of mask and you kind of find out at the end that it might've even been someone you that was kind of present in the story all along And then their motives Mm -hmm. are revealed at the end. It's not really – the show historically was really never about villains or motivations, which is pretty ironic because we have a villain in this movie whose motivations we still don't know after watching it one and a half times each. Uh, Yeah. And (laughs) I mean it's – so much of the enjoyment from the show comes from seeing these characters interact and and, and, and having things befall them that are perpetrated by the villain. But you're not actually having to spend time with the villain who you don't really get.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and – you know, one of the big things during the Rise of Skywalker press tour was J.J. Abrams was, like, banging the drum on, like, oh, like, our characters need to be together. Like, that was a big thing in the movie. put all the characters together, and it's like, you know, I kind of wish J.J. had been involved on Scoob, at least. You know, we got, might have gotten some weird, uh, you know, Scooby is the grandson of Palpatine or uh, something. But, uh, you know, I mean, like— Well,
0: actually, Scooby, Scooby, Scooby does—apparently have... Scooby does have a favorite—a uh, famous descendant, though. Yes. Des- or descendant, <laughs> uh, or— um, pr- whatever what's it, what's the opposite of descendant when it's someone that came way before you uh, uh ancestor ancestor yeah, yeah yeah so he does have a famous yeah. ancestor though yeah paritas
1: or the the dog of alexander the great so maybe jj was involved <laughs> it, from, that, from that aspect but um no i i really dislike the superhero elements of this movie you know you have like uh, gosh, yeah, like, so what is the purpose
0: of having Blue Falcon voiced by Mark Wahlberg in this movie? It's like they are going to scoop up Scooby and Shaggy, again, separate them from the rest of the gang, which is uh, mistake number one, just because like they needed him to fight dastardly or something. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And like at first – gosh, OK. Watch this movie. If you have any interest in it, just watch it because I'm just going to spoil it with out-of-context things because they're just coming to mind right now.
0: So basically, I'm not gonna feel bad if I spoil this movie. I don't really feel the need yeah. to tell people to go spend money on it. I I even offered to do this somewhat illegal thing of like letting Joe use my login info on Fandango so he wouldn't spend money on it, but Joe had already bought. It. So I'm, I I really have no qualms spoiling the crap out of this movie because I'm not going to tell people to go watch it.
1: So basically, the general gist of the plot is um you have Dastardly Dick, uh the villain from the Hanna Barbera canon, has a bunch of robot minions um, since his partner. Since his partner dog, the laughing dog, whose name escapes me right now, but if you're any blah, spending too much time on that, Muttley. they're trying to find three mutley. Yes, thank you. They're trying to find three scroll, three skulls of Cerebus, which is like the three headed dog from ancient lore, Greek or Roman. <laughs> I'm failing my no. You're doing good. You're everything. <laughs> yes, um, and the blue falcon and his. His sidekicks, who are actually more capable heroes than he, so Didi's guys, the pilot and uh, Dynamut, uh voiced by Ken Jong, by the way, um, are also searching for the skulls. Yes, I have that right. Correct.
0: Were they, <laughs> and, so, they, so they did want the skulls, but I don't know why they wanted the skulls because they're kind of supposed to be good guys. Were,
1: I think they wanted the skulls to keep away from the guy who wanted the skulls. Okay, but good. Okay,
0: I, good. Good for them then. Okay.
1: But it becomes like a sort of MacGuffin thing rather than a. I See, I've already lost my train of thought trying to recount this. So basically they draft Scooby and Shaggy into this search because Scooby matters to this in a way. And at first I thought, oh, wow, like the literal skull of Scooby-Doo is going to be the third cerebrus, and this is going to be kind of cool. They're going to put Scooby on a three-headed dog. Like, yes, I will watch this. And then it just devolved into, um, no, there actually is a third skull being guarded by uh, Tracy Morgan. And Scooby is actually the descendant of Alexander the Great's dog, Parnitas, or Paritas. Wow, I should have paid more attention to world history. I didn't even know Alexander the Great had a dog. Or maybe that's an adventure from the movie. Who knows? Don't 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 beat yourself up. <laughs> but that's all to say. We're just going through this movie and we're chasing skulls, and the skulls are obviously found in the most obvious of places, like an abandoned amusement park and um, a Mesozoic haven lost in an iceberg. Is that right?
0: Yeah, and you know, I when I went back and started rewatching stuff after you said you were going to rewatch the end, I had totally forgotten that that the gladiator, th- elite, the Mesozoic pl- planet or whatever thing it is that they're in—I don't know if they're on another planet or if they're just in some hidden part of the world that it leads them to like this gladiator sequence where tracy morgan's the master of ceremonies and i did not even remember until i went back and watched i did not remember that it was mesozoic in nature Like i was like i totally forgot that there were like these dinosaurs because all of a sudden it's like whoa we're in the movie gladiator and like i i was just like <laughs> what is the purpose of this being mesozoic i i, I don't get it
1: mm-hmm. yeah but um you know that's all to say like the plot didn't really make much sense and it was hard to follow and the important thing, though, is like, honestly, the movie in parts is genuinely hilarious. Like, uh, there are just several. Yeah, let's be, ni- let's be nice.
0: be what, nice. What comes yeah. to
1: mind? Uh, I like you have like the weirdly dark, dark House of Mirrors thing where Dastardly Dick is chasing Scooby. And then at the end of it, like he comes upon Scooby and he says, he says, my name is Dastardly Dick. And of course, you know, Scooby can only put the r sound in front of things so he says rick and then they shout about his name being dick like 20 times and i'm honestly surprised that it made its way into the movie because obviously there's the devil entendre of it all but he's like my friends call me dick but um like just genuinely funny i don't know why i just thought that was hilarious yeah i don't know that's one that came to mind for me immediately but
0: i don't know i just i i i probably laughed less than you did at various stuff but there were like moments where i was like oh, this is clever, I'm going to choose to believe that our girl Kelly Fremont Craig wrote this because then like, it would be like followed up by a bunch of stuff that wasn't funny. And I kind of see this as like maybe like they there's a version of this movie that was just like way more like what I wanted, but then they're like, no, this needs to be like even more commercial. We need more action scenes. We need more Gladiator. We need someone like Tracy Morgan in it. It just feels like stuff like that was tacked on, but like I actually liked it when they were in the bowling alley trying to find Scooby and Shaggy at the beginning, and like I liked the bowling alley uh, teenager employee. that it was just like being so dismissive of them is like, wow, yeah. Whoever their friends are must feel really guilty because they just got a yeah. by aliens, and and, and 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 she's oblivious to like how Daphne, Velma, and Fred actually feel. Like I was getting like a real kick out of just like a low key scene like that, and then it'd be like followed up by something where it's like, all right, what the hell is going on in the spaceship with the blue falcon guy? But then I laughed when they're like blue, when blue falcons like because it's Mark Wahlberg and you don't, and you don't. I do kind of like that character in a vacuum. It doesn't really make any mm. sense in this movie, but I do kind of like the idea of just a guy trying to pretend to be a superhero because his dad was and actually not and like having all the bluster and bravado and give off some of the appearances of someone like a Mark Wahlberg, but have actually none of that on the inside. Like I kind of like that idea, but he serves no per- real purpose in this movie. But then I even get a kick out of when he's like, Oh no, my dad moved to Palm beach. And maybe I only laugh because I live yeah. like, I live like five minutes from Palm beach, but I, I thought that was funny. So there's like very like clever moments, but then it's just like so much nonsense aside from that like I didn't really know for example I'm here for it if they want to have one of the conflicts within the movie be like Scooby and Shaggy having some kind of falling out or something like that I mean Mm -hmm. that's like if you want to try and give some emotional stakes to a Scooby-Doo movie like that's a that's interesting territory to mine but because the movie's trying to do like seven other things at once it doesn't really make sense the way they try and pull that off it's like uh blue falcon slash brian i like got a kick out of every time they someone called it brian instead <laughs> yeah. of Foo falcon it's so, like i did like that guy kind of i liked some of the opportunities his presence created so it was just so funny when someone would call him brian and uh mm-hmm. and like he heard that dastardly said scooby was the key and he's like and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden that means i have to turn him into a superhero i was like wait why what and it's, like <laughs> there's a whole thing where like he gives him a superhero suit and then it's supposed to be some big emotional moment where he like takes off his uh his dog tag and shaggy gives him permission to is like shaggy why does it like what do you like why are you just going along with this like what do you what do you actually think is happening right now and then like shaggy makes like two passive aggressive comments in the next scene about how everything's going to scooby's head it's like but scooby hasn't done anything he just like put on a suit like who really cares and then like when they go into the mesozoic planet because when they have their falling out it's like you didn't put in any of the work to like justify this story arc is kind of like what i was thinking so it's like there's moments throughout where it's like oh i I can laugh at that but then like you're trying to pull off this other serious thing that i just don't really care about because you didn't really seem to care enough about it to really write it either
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i just think this like i think this i think this maybe is just a little too big you know like keep like keep it smaller i think why we enjoyed those two scenes at the beginning you know at venice at beach and then uh, when they meet each other for the first time on Halloween, it's just like, it felt like a perfectly small world for these characters, you know? And like, when you get into these big epic chases and like the dog apocalypse, you know, and stuff like that, it's just, you know, and this is, this isn't Scoob's fault, you know, like tons of movies have done this and like, you know, everything, I feel like every movie is the end of the world now, you know, and like, that's the big act three thing is like, Oh, if we don't do this, then there's going to be an apocalypse and like things are going to happen and you know it's just not every movie needs to be that you know and, and i just i, found I that. don't
0: oh sorry go ahead i know
1: yeah i just i just don't need the world threatened to like feel stakes you know like
0: yeah <laughs> that, you know you know like the- that that final set piece ending had about as much had about as much interesting to look at as far as it's set as any of like the bad DC movies do at the end, where it's just like a bunch mm. of. I mean, it's not really CGI when it's animation, but you get what I'm saying. Where it's just like it just turns into something where the the actual wherever they're standing isn't really all that interesting because there's just so much other weird uh, special effects stuff going on. And it's like I have no idea what we're looking at here. I guess we're supposed to be back near some kind of ancient ruin, and then I think back to like that opening scene and I could have been totally cool with like the whole movie taking place in Venice like that oh, actually looked cool. And that was, I felt like an appropriate setting. And I mean, you don't really think of like calif- sunny California when you think Scooby-Doo necessarily Like for all I know, like maybe that's, I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head, but maybe that's where the original animated series is supposed to take place. But you don't, I, I don't, When I think about the animated series, I I think more of, like, random haunted houses and forests than I do of, like, actual beach. So this would have been, like, a cool, appropriately more small setting. And to, like, just have it all be there and that beach setting looked pretty cool and all those buildings were nice and colorful. And I think it would have been interesting to just, like, keep it, like, the stakes low. Like you said, the movie is trying to do so much. And I – well, it might seem kind of hokey. I actually, like – Kind Of got, I thought it was funny how much that animated Simon Cowell looked like Simon Cowell. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. he, I guess they were able to get Simon Cowell to voice him, but it was funny. It's like that would have been fine to like have that be the, like the main conflict running through the movie, you know, like as opposed to a conflict with a villain, you could just have it be a smaller scale where. There's a little bit of an intergroup conflict about like monetizing their business, which is interesting, I guess, because Simon Cowell wants to be an investor. Sure. And yeah. have, and just have them kind of like, you know, dr- drive around and do stuff and maybe like have a fight towards the end and then kind of be happy and make up. And that would have been enough. You know, I think they had enough there and they probably could have like made the movie for a lot cheaper if they just used that one setting, which would have been cool. I, 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 mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just like, I, I so clearly see a move, a version of this movie in my head that works and it's just very far away from what we got. <laughs>
1: Um, also i do want to say i i've had my fill of uh cg renditions of simon cowell between the between the uh shrek 2 far far away idol dvd extra and now this i'm like all right you know i think simon cowell as uh cg character like i can't, I can't I, i've hit my limit of two <laughs>
0: i can't say i remember his uh i cannot say i remember his shrek 2 cameo so this this was uh this was new to me but i mean uh I don't know it's just it would have been funny to just have him as a presence and i could have done totally without dastardly you know i mean like i i'm just i'm just thinking of other uh just the, the other things in this movie that you could have stripped away i mean like i told you before we started you could have stripped away the whole gladiator sequence and sure i like tracy morgan but could have gotten rid of him actually what i meant to say earlier was that not just that they felt like they needed to add stuff on to like make it bigger in scope if maybe it started out as something smaller but it almost seemed like they were thinking of like the despicable me movies and they wanted someone like the original grew, you know, mm-hmm. and they they wanted like a villain like that. Is that maybe that's what they thought the movie needed, you know? And so they just added dastardly on there without putting a lot of thought behind it. And I, I, I you know, it just, it's just like, I, I could so cruelly see like where this movie would have gotten like noted to death or had stuff tacked on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause like, you know, you look at a movie like you know, and again, I've said this before in your I've said this before in your podcast, but not every movie could be Inside Out. But when I look at Inside Out, which is one of the two best animated movies of the last decade, along with Spider Verse, if anybody's curious or interested, like the stages of that movie are simply like a, a child is sad that she had to move to a new city, and she's like. Deciding whether or not she's going to run away, run away from home at the end, and like that's like the stakes of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. So
0: why can't it just be that like this guy and this dog are sad that they might lose their friends? Like that. That would yeah, be enough.
1: Exactly. And like the thing is, is like I will say like one of the big strengths in the movie is as this is something that you mentioned earlier is that they do seem to know like the five characters. You know, like there was never a moment with Daphne, Velma, Fred, uh, Scooby, Shaggy, uh, where I felt like wow, like they really like you know pop cultured that away too much you know
0: and we didn't really talk too much about the actual voice performances of these people but like could you think of like mm-hmm. a better shaggy than will forte if you have to think of like current actors you know i mean that's pretty great i think same, yeah same with yeah. Zach. i don't i don't know if you're familiar with like much of zach efron's like other work he's done in like the last like six years or so but like i mean i actually really like him as a fred Uh, I could totally see it and I like a lot of the. I actually like the kind of actor he is whenever he's doing something I'm interested in like I just thought those were like two really smart choices right there and uh I mean I I don't really have strong opinions one way or the other on Gina Rodriguez or Amanda Seyfried but like they were fine and I like I said earlier I like Daphne and Velma's characters like I think they had plenty there to work with
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I wish they had all been together and just had it been a bit smaller story because I yeah I do feel like they did the like they did justice to those characters there, and like, like the whole point of Scooby Doo is the,
0: the mystery gang, it's like the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, like and right. then they're just like, we don't care. And I went back and I read the plot synopsis of uh the 2002 movie, and I was because I, I was ready to like go on a rant about how, like, yeah, see, like, I mean, even if that movie wasn't good, like, they, at least they did it right. And then like, I started reading it, and it was like oh, like, and, like, the first paragraph of it is how, like, they had some kind of fight and that they broke up. I was like, oh, wait, did the gang do the same thing? Did they do the same thing with the gang in that movie? But then it's like, no, two years later, they reunite on that island. I was like, oh, yeah. So it's like, they're actually, like, reunited for the whole movie. It was just like they had some fight and that was, like, the first five minutes of the movie. Maybe they were trying to do something different and just very, and, and they didn't want to, and they just thought splitting up the gang would be unique, but it's like, you got to keep the gang together. Like, splitting the gang up is part of Scooby-Doo, with but like on a much smaller scale like you go split up to look for the bad guys you don't split up for the entire okay. you don't split up for the entire season of sh- the show or the entire episode like this is not how it goes mm-hmm. i i feel weird like saying don't take risk and don't take chances but like if you're gonna do that you got to do a better job than they did here huh.
1: yeah no absolutely and it's like you know people <laughs> people like you know people like the Avengers, sure, because they like action and stuff, but they don't like the Avengers because, you know, they punch aliens in the face. They like them because, you know, of, like, Tony and Cap's repartee and stuff, you know, and, like, the like how they play off of each other and things like that, you know?
0: Yeah, and I agree, totally agreed. Uh, but it's like, and, and I'm complaining about that when it's like, you, you, we, we, can, we can enjoy the repartee, the rapport between Fred and Velma and Daphne because they are together most of the movie, but, like, I don't feel like we actually get, like, that much of that and we don't get much scooby shaggy after the first uh the opening se- origin story sequence because like the whole point of that storyline is them being apart. So uh, i mean mm-hmm. even even w- it, with the ways in which they did split them up, they didn't have much great interaction. And like we it seems like we both agree <laughs> that enough came through with these characters in spite of that that we can see that there's a way in which like it would have worked and it just didn't work,
1: you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to give them another shot at this. You know, this does well in DOD, obviously. But, you know, I just
0: – I don't know. I just want to see them all together. Uh, I
1: just want to see them all together a, and solve the
0: mystery. A couple other things I did like. I enjoyed the uh, – at one point, uh, someone makes a joke, and I was like, oh, maybe I could have enjoyed a couple more of these jokes. It might have seemed a little too forced if they didn't, where someone's just like uh, – where did that anachronistic 70s-looking van come from? And it just, like, very, <laughs> out, very out of nowhere. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny to hear a character in the middle yeah. of this movie say something like that, which I got a kick out of. I also got a kick out of the scene leading into the Meso- Me- Mesozoic Forest. They started playing outcast bombs over Baghdad, which is hilarious <laughs> to do that in a PG movie. Just go look up the lyrics to that song and then try and understand why that is being played in a Scooby-Doo movie. I don't know why, but I appreciated the choice. Uh, it, it was mm-hmm. it was a good kind of weirdness to go for as opposed to a lot of the other weirdness that this movie had. So there is like, mm-hmm. again, bits and pieces of this movie that'll make it so I could have seen something much better. But it's just, I would have rather it gone for the vibe that we get in that first 10 minutes as opposed to what we get for the rest of the, the following 80 minutes. So uh, any other final mm-hmm. thoughts, Joe?
1: Yeah, there's this there's this one scene in the climax where they're fighting like the ghost uh, three headed dog, and um, yeah, we didn't
0: really even talk <laughs> about the climax. I mean, look, you yeah. said you should, if you want to try and explain what you think happened, I'll happily listen, but I, I just don't really care.
1: Oh no, I, I'm not going to try to make sense of it. I'll okay. just say like um, one of my favorite moments of the movie is uh, and why I wish I, we had seen the gang together more is uh, the the dog the three headed dog is very angry and rampaging. And I think Scooby says, Scooby and Shaggy are like, maybe he's hungry. Maybe he wants a Scooby snack. And like, that's something like from the classic series, right? And so Daphne's like, good thing I always carry a spare. Pulls one out of her shoe, rears back to throw it, and Scooby eats it out of her hands. Daphne doesn't even miss a beat. And she's like, that's why I always carry a spare spare. And she pulls out the second one to throw it, and Scooby eats that one too. And I'm just like, this, like, more of this. Like, this is what I wanted from this video. Right,
0: because you don't really <laughs> get enough about how they. F- like, we get that they say they like them and that Fred and Daphne and Velma like Shabby, Shaggy and Scooby, even if it's kind of understood amongst the audience and everyone there that they're not as essential for the actual detective work. But you don't mm-hmm. really understand why they really have that kind of affection towards them. Like, they kind of accidentally team up to solve the crime in the beginning, and then mm-hmm. you don't really see them together again until Simon Cowell's telling them they need to break up. And then they're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, but Scooby and Shaggy are important. And then Scooby and Shaggy are like, look, we're just, we're, we're bailing. And then they want to save them because, uh, so they rush to the bowling alley when they hear they're in trouble. So you know they care about them. But you don't actually get to like, you're not shown any of that. It's it's. I mean, it's a basic show don't tell type of thing. You know, like we they say they really mm-hmm. love them, but like we don't actually see them interacting in a way where we would then completely believe why that is. Uh, and that could mm-hmm. have easily been solved if they'd. I mean, fine, break them up for some of the movie, but just don't break them up for eighty out of the ninety four minutes. You know. Um, yeah uh but yeah so again i think we can both agree there's bits and pieces here that are enjoyable maybe some of the humor uh connected with joe a little bit more than it did with me but like it i don't know just very disappointing because i was legitimately very excited for this movie up until the time i started it yesterday and then i halfway through i realized like all right yeah man this is just dis- this is disappointing but uh it was something i was very excited for and it's a shame that like I don't know. It is something that like, seemed like it could have been a cool revival of an animated movie by a really good filmmaker writer. Just didn't turn into that hashtag release the Fremont Craig cut. I'm going to get it trending. Uh, yes. Uh, and, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's out there just like the Snyder cuts out there. Um, anything else, Joe, on this one?
1: Uh, one last thing, shout yeah. out to the well-known Venice Beach law that if your dog has a middle name, it cannot be responsible for theft or destruction of property.
0: Yeah, so uh, a, another great little funny moment. laughed out loud. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, Venice
1: Beach is in LA
0: County, not Orange County, right?
1: Uh, you know, this
0: is horrible. I think it's LA County. Yeah, I was gonna say, was gonna say like, you, you you just went to the beach with your dog yesterday. That would have been funny if you had just happened to be there t- too, but you were at a different beach. Um, uh, Joe, properly socially distanced, of course. Yes. But, uh, yes. Uh, Joe, before we leave, uh, any other, uh, recommendations you want to make for people out there? Cause we've been doing streaming quarantine recommendations cause everyone's inside. You should be inside still. Don't go out and do stuff. That's not safe. You should be inside watching stuff. So Joe, if you watch anything else lately, you want to recommend to people?
1: yeah, I'm gonna do a complete one eighty on the thing we were discussing today. and if you're not watching it already, you should watch Mrs. America. It's a uh, really well acted, really interesting, like deep show that you know me as a white male who was born in nineteen ninety one I have little to no knowledge of the e r a fight and what was involved in that, so it's been very educational too, but also incredibly entertaining and uh yeah, Kate Blanchett is just one of our best working actors, like period and yeah she's fantastic
0: yeah that's a good recommendation i actually just watched the most recent episode this morning and you know it's weird it's like the first two episodes i wasn't enjoying it that much i don't know why maybe i mean i guess the whole thing's kind of about the era but like so much of the first couple episodes were just really 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 the ERA specifically, and it's maybe the intervening episodes, while that's something that hangs over it, it's more uh, micro-issues and conflicts within the movement and people going up against <laughs> Phyllis Schlafly and all that. But the first two episodes were just all about, like, really specifically, oh, we need the ERA, and people talk—maybe I mean, I'm misremembering the first two, but my, my, my recollection of them, because it's been over a month since I've watched them, was just that, like— It was more just talking about it. And it's like, I kind of know the ERA is not passed. And for some reason, as much as I was enjoying the performances, I was just like, this doesn't feel essential to me. It doesn't feel uh, like watching something about why the ERA doesn't get passed in 1972 doesn't really feel that necessary to me when it's 2020 and the ERA is still not passed. Mm -hmm. when we still don't have it and women's pay on inequality is still an issue it doesn't really feel that necessary to like go back and examine why it couldn't happen in 1972 if our country still has like enough issues that it can't get past in 2020 and I was like I almost think my time would be more better well spent like watching a documentary or something about equal pay for women and why we still inexplicably don't have it today. But then like Mm the third episode happened where Uzo Aduba playing Shirley Chisholm at at the democratic national convention in 1972. And like, that was really powerful and it was a great performance and it really echoed uh, today, like 2020 in a way that felt like more, more relevant and necessary than like those first two episodes. Mm -hmm. And I've, and I've like really enjoyed it since and has all these like really interesting cameos from actors, like, you know, like it was kind of fun to see like Adam Brody pop pop up and it's like, yeah, we're going to spend like all the, we're going to spend all the money on the woman, but then find like a lovable male actor that you haven't seen do much in the last like five years aside from he was in ready or not. And he was good in that. But it's like, he had a really good, like good old cameo, like getting to share the stage with like Kate Blanchett and John Slattery. It's like, good for you adam yeah. right? uh it was fun like, but but i've been like really enjoying it a lot too and the fact that like i, I keep thinking i'm gonna like really hate it because it's gonna get sad because you know the era is not gonna pass but like it's still mm-hmm. pretty satisfying to watch anyway to watch all these actresses do their thing you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: for uh, sure <laughs> I, I, I i my only recommendation because i haven't i mean i've watched a few movies the last couple of days but like nothing i'm super excited to talk about so i'll go tv too and i finally sh- started Shits creek uh, I don't know if you've ever watched oh, it. Yeah. Have you ever watched it? Yeah, Trisha? I'm in season
1: two of that right now. Okay, yeah.
0: so I, I, I'm on season two, episode three. So I just started it last week. I've had so, plenty of friends tell me I need to watch it for years. And I just, I, for whatever reason, I just kept putting it off. And even though I, a lot of people mm-hmm. whose taste I respect really like it, and it's it's legitimately funny. And I've, I've only heard, like, yeah. it, it started getting like awards attention and stuff like seasons five and seasons it's like really late in its run like seasons five and six i'm like excited that it's gonna get better because like towards the end of the first season like it just really started clicking for me it's like really funny and it's kind of cool that like such a such a like a low concept show with like that has such a small scale and like not all that many settings or anything like it's just really impressively written that like you can get that much out of it when it's like visually it's not really all that ambitious or anything like that it's just like all these people just like doing stuff in like this on like three different sets basically it's pretty great (laughs) yeah um yeah it's, and it's great and it's all on netflix so anyone that hasn't already started i know i'm late to the party but if anyone was needed one more person to tell them it's worth starting maybe i can be that person for you because i waited way too long to start it myself so uh, but yeah that's about it joe before we sign off uh anything else you want to plug because you can't really plug the braves because we still don't have baseball mm-hmm. <laughs> right
1: uh yeah everybody just like stay safe stay healthy um do what you can to help this uh thing uh end quickly and you know not be you know infecting other people and all that stuff so listen yep. to the scientists
0: <laughs> yes uh, i second that as usual you can follow me on twitter at josh Chernovoy j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y and on twitter or on Letterbox, same thing, and uh, podcast Twitter, Rewind Movie Pod, podcast Gmail, the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. So if you have any other recommendations that you for something you want us to cover while we're going back and watching old stuff, and we're going to have a couple new things next month because, you know, you got this new Spike Lee movie and the new Judd Apatow movie with Pete Davidson, but we're still doing old stuff, really, until theaters open, aside from those couple movies, now that we've gotten through Scoob, which was not as fun as I'd hoped. Uh, but So everyone can uh, give us feedback there if there's anything they want us to talk about, and don't know what's coming up next week but it will be uh something else old that i'm probably going to enjoy talking about more than i enjoyed Scoob. that not to say i didn't enjoy talking about with you joe i'll probably enjoy (laughs) watching the process of watching the movie more than i enjoyed Scoob. so everyone stay tuned for whatever we have coming next week joe will probably be back at some point in the next month to talk about some more pixar stuff so thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time